0: transformers chapter one siege will launch on netflix on july 30th 2020 this is the radio free cybertron review of episodes one through six netflix gave us early access to watch the series and review it and we'd like to thank them for doing so this review was published july 27th 2020 it is the final hours of the devastating civil war between the autobots and decepticons The war that has torn apart their home planet of Cybertron is a tipping point. Two leaders, Optimus Prime and Megatron, both want to save their world and unify their people, but only on their own terms. In an attempt to end the conflict, Megatron is forced to consider using the AllSpark, the source of all life and power, on Cybertron to reformat the Autobots, thus unifying Cybertron. Outnumbered, outgunned, and under siege, the battle-weary Autobots orchestrate a desperate series of counter-strikes on a mission that, if everything somehow goes right, will end with an unthinkable choice, kill their planet in order to save it. Please note, there are spoilers for the series throughout the review. Certain items could not be revealed due to the request and embargo by Netflix and Hasbro, and we have not included any of those items or if we accidentally slipped them into the recording we've edited them out we're going to start round robin style and ask for opinions on the series and then we will begin our overall discussion of transformers siege john
1: deluna let's start with you so my 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 headline is with all due respect to everybody who had a hand in producing the show uh it felt like about two and a half episodes of content stretched over the five or six six episodes we saw. So it was just stretched pretty thin. It was paced um pretty slowly. A lot of walking and talking. And uh we'll get into the details each of us and, and talk about that. But like my big takeaway was like the the chunk that we saw and reviewed. Um could have been a lot tighter, but it also would have cut the episode count like in half. So I I really wished it was paced a lot faster and it just kind of moved at a peppier pace. I know it's an edict from Hasbro, I'm
2: almost certain, and there's nothing that can be done about it, but damn it, Optimus Prime uses contractions. (laughs) And I dearly miss an Optimus Prime that uh, that uses uh, contractions because just that simple misconception about who optimus prime is and what he does really kind of colors his characterization throughout this whole thing.
0: I really just wanted to pay for optimus prime to go to therapy and just talk out what was wrong and what his feelings were. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just, uh, and just stop. He,
2: he kind of, uh, he kind of spends the whole thing, just chasing wild hairs one after another. And leaving everyone else to actually fight the fight in front of them. And it just, that's didn't really strike me as a, as a kind of Optimus prime behavior to me. I understand he's supposed to be young and still making mistakes, but yeah, he's just, it's just yeah, something, something about prime in particular just didn't quite sit right with me. And I think it's all just symptomatic, not maybe of how, these writers want Optimus uh, Prime to be right now but possibly how Hasbro wants Optimus Prime to be the the rest of the the rest of the cast I, I there were some interesting concepts in there but just uh Bumblebee is another one that just never really quite uh, uh quite got there for me and I felt like his reason for ultimately joining the Autobots it was it it seemed to me like it was there so he would join the Autobots it's it's not so much that he had a, you know, he had a change of heart. He understood what the Autobots were going for. Uh, he he had it explained to him very, uh, very carefully.
0: What I see the problem being is I don't see the problem being really uh, anything to do with the series. Uh, I think it feels like it's a lot better, uh, more um, lovingly put together than the Machine the series. And technically, I think that it's fine. The voice acting is fine. The acting is. Fine. i just feel that hasbro has not protected these characters in any way and we've seen them now in so many different iterations uh and from different reboot to reboot to reboot that you can't put a new generation one style story in front of me especially set on cybertron and expect to have me to put you know any amount of care or interest into it because it's the, one fatigue and two I know that in 3 years it's not going to matter anyway
1: so i would say you know you say that you feel like hasbro hasn't protected these characters i feel like at this point i don't know if hasbro knows who these characters are especially when they um you know they've gotten into this cycle of kind of like uh reusing and going back to like G1 character models and the look and the flavor. And like, at some point they're kind of like clones, right. Of the same source material. And at some point you just like lose your grip on the source material. So, you know, we've had when, when transformers is really working uh, from a narrative standpoint, like Optimus prime, for example, he's a really specific thing, like a character. And sometimes it's, it's, and very often it's different. Like, Optimus Primal is a very specific character, but he's also very different from Animated Prime. And they're, they're both very different from G1 Prime. Uh, and all of them are totally different from uh, Michael Bay Prime. But, but they all are something. They're, they're very specifically kind of like crafted character. But kind of left to their own devices with these web series. Um, all these characters, and, and Prime is one of them, uh, I don't know what they are. Like he's kind of like an echo of G One Prime, but he's not really anything um specifically. He's not actually like a character. He's kind of like a puppet. He looks like G One Prime. He kind of acts like him. He kind of says some stuff. He's certainly in he's certainly in circumstances that that G one Prime would be in. But I don't know what he is. And I don't know if Hasbro uh, can discern whether it's working or not, because I don't know if they, when they look at G1 Prime, I don't know, I don't know if they can articulate to you just kind of like the royal we, right? Just kind of generally Hasbro. If you ask them, okay, well, what is he? And specifically like, what is he in this story that you're going to tell? I don't know if they have an answer to that because I, because I certainly don't see it like in the minute to minute telling of stories like this. I don't know what, I don't know what a lot of these characters necessarily are other than references to the G1 like concept of that character. I think you're right,
3: uh, 100% what you're saying. Um, Prime felt a, like he was supposed to be G1, but he was slightly off. Um, so that was weird for me. But there were characters like Starscream, who I think they captured amazingly, and I really liked it. L- like Starscream, for me, was a standout character. Uh Jetfire was a standout character for me in the fact that you know even though he was a Decepticon at first he was trying to do the right thing throughout the whole series and then just realized like you know I should be on the other side so I thought they did a great job with him uh there was a couple characters that I don't think they de- did that great of a job with Ultra Magnus uh, Ultra Magnus, mm-hmm. he didn't bother me that
0: much. He's an idiot. He is the idiot of the series.
3: The one that kind of bothered me was Alita One. Uh, her and Prime just bickering back and forth was kind of too much for me. Like it, The Autobots were always usually on the same page. So they were always... It, it just seemed like too much back and forth between them. And it kind of... It kind of diminished the value of the Autobots.
0: That one I get. That one doesn't bother me yeah. in the slightest because of their relationship. That, I mean, if anybody's going to question him, it should be at least a one.
4: The thing with that, though, is their relationship is not actually established anywhere along the course of the series. You're just supposed to assume and understand that yes. from the greater context of Transformers. And, like, forgive me, but that's not good storytelling or writing if you're not, if you're counting on your audience, you have knowledge from sources as far back as 30 years ago. Like, you need to address that to some small degree just to make sure everybody gets, that's what's going on here, that's the relationship they have. Um, to to go back a couple steps here, I think the big problem with how Optimus Prime is being characterized in general right now, not just here, but across the board basically, is that Optimus Prime is not a character anymore. He's an icon or at best an archetype. Um, Mm -hmm. Like there is no development of Optimus Prime anymore. Optimus Prime is a set image and everything has to adhere to that. And the problem with this is this is, you know, if you want to even try to pretend this is in continuity with, or similar to the original G1, this is not how Optimus Prime should be acting at this point in his life. If you think about the early G1 cartoon, he was not a soldier. He was more like a cowboy. Yes. Mm Yes. Ratchet
3: I didn't like but I really liked the relationship between Ratchet and Impactor. I thought that was really good. Um just Ratchet not being an Autobot or not, you know, I, I don't know, it just there were things that just felt weird. Um and the other things that you said that you know, the series was kind of a little bit slow. Uh, One thing I laughed at all the time was there was hardly any transformation between uh, robot to vehicle mode. And every time they're like big bulky bots and they move like big bulky bots. And then like they choose to run away like 95% of the time instead of transforming and driving, which would be a lot easier to get, you know, they would move a lot quicker. So it it was kind of comical at some times.
4: That's just kind of a general problem with modern Transformers media. Um, You know, the comics had a big issue with that, so much to the point where they started just calling it out in the dialogue of the comics. Um, You know, as the Transformers more focused on being characterized as individuals, although that kind of flies in the face of what I was saying 30 seconds ago. And it's not so much about highlighting the gimmick of that they turn into vehicles like the original media was you, know, you kind of lose that aspect because in some, in some senses that's going to take away time from you know, getting your dialogue, getting your uh, character moments in there if you're specifically setting places for them to show off their vehicle modes or the fact that they can become vehicles. Um, it's not to say that you know, your observation is not wrong. They absolutely should be making utility use of their alternate modes, but um, it's certainly not something that is
1: exclusive to this so one of the first things that I kind of like noted was, you know, I don't know if they're using literally the toy cads for these characters, but it sure looks like it. Cause they've got, you know, five millimeter posts and uh, <laughs> oh, just yeah. I mean what, you know, like, mm-hmm. so they, they, and they move like toys too, for better or worse. So they move as if they have the same articulation as the toys. Take that for what you will. And, um, and
4: the, the machinima trilogy kind of was doing the same thing. And I think Rob mentioned this early on too, like at least this, the visual production quality of it is way way higher even if it's committing some of the same sins
1: yeah it's it's yeah it's definitely like um the next generation of this uh, uh strategy um and the only kind of weirdness there is like kind of when when the when they turn their torso their torso is kind of turned to jello in some cases yeah. so um mm. that's fun but what I really, what I, what I really like outside of that technical stuff, that technical decision that they kind of made uh, aesthetically, um, what I kind of had a problem with just in general is so this story is set um, at uh, a very like dark time uh, in this conflict. So Cybertron is is leveled and really, frankly, both sides are. Seemingly, uh, one side's definitely more desperate than the other, but both sides are not great. Uh, they're in bad shape. So in my notes, I noted that watching Transformers who are withered, dirty, desperate, starving, and beat to the ground probably isn't the best light to put them in if you're trying to like promote toys if you're trying to promote them as like superheroes and villains like if you're going to have them set in this like apocalyptic like end of the line story and they're all literally falling apart um i don't know who i don't know who wants to see that like i like like i want to see my toys if i'm if like i'm if like after three years of storytelling if this is where we end up i get it totally get it like this is the apex of a war i get it but as like just showing me something like a fresh story right out of the gate, whether I'm eight years old or 45 years old. I don't know if I want to see that. Like, I like, I don't know if this is what I want to see in my toys coming to life. Other than the Walmart toys
0: that are Netflix branded, is this marketing material for last year? I mean, Hasbro, I believe wants to be a media company more so than a toy company at this point, but it is still odd. All all the machinima stuff was a year behind or more. Now this is a year behind, and I, I just don't know that I understand the point of the series.
4: Yeah, you don't like seem to be no alone choice. in that, Brian. It just seems to be an all-around problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. But you know, like if like if you're trying to like, if this is purely like marketing, right? And if this is purely like, I just want everybody to see this pop up on their Netflix home screen. Uh, I want the algorithm to catch it, and I want uh, a bunch of eight to. 38 year olds to just see it and remember transformers. What you're going to see is like, you know, somebody crawling on the ground, like covered in dirt and like, you know, missing a limb. Um, I don't know, but like, no, thanks. Like Iron Man one, uh, I, Iron Man one had like parts obviously that were gritty and kind of dark and stuff, it had a ton of humor and it had a ton of like kind of brightness to it. And you know, the Marvel universe is kind of sprinkled with that. And only at select points do they have these huge conflicts where everybody's kind of like, you know, at the end of the road Um, from like jump. This story is the end of the road and it's a downer and there's like zero humor in it. And it's just like the end of a terrible war. And that's not what I'm looking for, you know, in my Transformers.
0: And the interesting thing, like whether it's marketing material or not, it does heavily 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 display the battle damage that was uh, an issue that a lot of people had with the toys if this wasn't marketing material uh for the siege toy line why feature that stuff i mean that seems like something that could be you know just left uh, left uh you know on the planning room floor like you wouldn't even have to get into it but it, it it really does convey the whole uh ethos that they were trying to go with the siege toy line which was you know, things are bad, uh, we're tired, we're worn, we're beaten from top to bottom. Again, it's, uh, it's sort of hard to uh, divine what, uh, what the intent really is ultimately.
2: I, I want to go back to a second for something uh, Chris was talking about, about the relationship between Optimus Prime and Elite One or lack thereof. And I think both that and just the characterization of Optimus Prime in general both speak to the problem that a lot of us are having with it, which is that this, the writing of this series is dependent on the collective unconscious of 40 years. And because of that, because it requires us to have seen G one 30 years ago and known that Optimus prime and Alita one were at one point a couple. And it requires us to have vague ancient memories of what Optimus prime was like. For, the, for those of us who have actually watched some of that stuff a little more recently, it all sits wrong. Just like I think we've said about some of the previous productions along these lines, if you have not watched Transformers since 1987, maybe this will work better for you. Maybe this is what you're looking for. But I have, and it's not. And that's most people,
4: right? Or if the most recent thing you've watched is Transformers the movie on a DVD or Blu-ray, this actually probably kind of fits right into how that plays out for the memorable parts
1: of that. Probably needs more metal. Yes. Yes. It needs more metal. That would have helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like after, so like to Rob's point or like kind of playing off Rob's point. So again, say you're, say you're a 12 year old uh, or, or a nine year old on Netflix. Somehow this ends up in front of your face. If you watch this for, if you give this 20 minutes, I do not know how you're expected to fall in love, so to speak with Optimus prime, like he does not do anything, but like, like he, he's running and fretting and arguing with Alita one. And he's not, he doesn't come across as like a star, so to speak. He's actually losing a war and he's, he, d- um, he
2: doesn't even really come off as very responsible
1: because he's yeah. chasing all these, all, again,
2: all these harebrained schemes to, to find some, magical solution to the war that does not involve him taking this treaty which I know would be a bad idea yes it's Megatron I get it but just the, the fact that he is the he comes off as just looking for any excuse and any again any magical solution to to his problems to avoid confronting them that's that's what he comes off as doing this entire series that that is not Optimus Prime on any level but he keeps trying to lead them in other directions while they're trying while everyone else is trying to deal with the uh, the problems in front of them. And that's like, I just-, just
3: wanted someone instead of him arguing with Alita all the time or, or Alita arguing with, with him was the main thing. I just wanted someone behind him to be like, yes, you're doing the right thing. Yes, let's do that. Like really reinforce all his decisions. That way it, it would make you think like this is This is the route where I had doubt the whole series. Is this the right thing to do just because of how much Alito was questioning
4: him? No, I think that would just make it seem like he had a loyal toady. Um, No, see, the thing is, like, Ultra Magnus in this would have been the perfect character to be positioned as the actual, like, military leader of the Autobots. You know, Optimus Prime might be their heroic figurehead, although not the way they portrayed him. But, like, let's just work on the hypothetical argument here. You know, have Ultra Magnus be the military commander who's actually, like, making the decisions to get a war won, or at least keep him alive until they can leave the planet like they're trying to. Um, But instead of Ultra Magnus standing up and confronting Optimus' decisions and trying to take, you know, some measure of control and get things to work he just kind of bugs off and goes to visit Megatron for uh, four episodes.
1: Yeah. He's an idiot. Well, that shows that he didn't think
3: Optimus Prime could do it. It kind of made sense. Like Ultra Magnus was like, maybe I can appeal to him. Maybe I can, you know, convince him to sit down and let's talk about this and let's work it out. Let's come to an amicable, you know, agreement.
1: Okay, so
4: there's a, there's another problem though, and it's a lot like the Elite One thing. They make vague references to Optimus, Magnus, and Megatron in the past, rising up together to overthrow a previous corrupt government, which is basically taken out of the IDW stuff. There's no details given to that, so they tell you just enough to trigger the memory if you read the comics. Otherwise, it doesn't really make any sense on its own. And to me, it's a problem with the way they structured the series. They they set it up as a continuous serial narrative, they needed to like take a step back and do some establishing work for the setting. Like, you know, have uh, an episode or at least half of the episode flashback to the background of Optimus, Magnus, and Megatron doing that stuff to help us understand what their relationship is, where they started, and where they are now. And even if they still acted the same in the contemporary setting... Having a different characterization back then still might add something to the characters and make us understand why they're making the decisions they are. As it was, just with what they presented, like Megatron actually seemed like a fairly decently developed character in this. Uh, Starscream came across pretty well too, but that was mostly just relying on, you know, basic Starscream tropes, which generally pro- play pretty well if you have a decent understanding of what Starscream actually is instead of. Like, to use a different example, Transformers Devastation, where the only thing somebody understood was that Starscream gets excited and has a screechy voice sometimes. And then he was just like that the whole time in Devastation, which was incorrect. But, like, the Decepticon Mm -hmm. side seemed to have a little bit stronger character grasp than the Autobots. And I'm not even sure why there is that distinction, because they didn't really give us anything more to work with, it feels like. They just kind of worked better.
3: Now, I kind of feel like they did explain it. Like, they did explain their relationship. They just didn't do it in front. They did it gradually throughout the series, which I was kind of okay with. um, Because when Ultra Magnus first went to Decepticons, I thought he was defecting. Because I didn't have that, you know, knowledge. I've never read the IDW comics. So... I thought he was defecting because he just didn't agree with prime and he wanted to be on the winning side or, you know, wanted to survive basically. Um, and then, you know, throughout the series, they kind of explained the relationship between the three of them, which I, I was okay with
2: to speak to, uh, uh, what you're, you're saying, uh, Chris, I think, I think the reason that the Decepticons for the most part, part work better is that they are, in G1, they were, I don't want to say they were simpler characters, but they are definitely played to type here as opposed to played to whatever it is the Autobots are, are doing. You know, Megatron is the leader. He is leading. Starscream wants basically the next job above him. And I, I really did like this, uh, this performer for Starscream. This, this voice actor I thought was quite good.
4: Yeah, I'd actually like to take an aside here and just like, especially compared to the web series we had before like the the voice casting here the voice direction in a lot of the cases too i think was Mm -hmm. a lot stronger The, the you know the the voice cast performance was actually rather good here um across the board in my opinion um like again the general production qualities of this were actually surprisingly good in in my view i was not expecting quite as good as what we got for that it was just some of the other like technical detail aspects of it.
2: Yeah. But yeah, like I said, all, all, you know, the Decepticons are, are still the Decepticons. I felt like maybe shockwave was a little off personally, but
4: shockwave was more kind of tarantulas than shockwave, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was definitely a little bit more into the, again, that was, that was more of an, you know, an mm-hmm. IDW derived thing. He was more into mad science than he ever was in the original, uh, mm-hmm. series. And that's, you know, that, that's another thing that's just kind of crept into the character between, I'd say IDW and transformers prime that, uh, that has, uh, again, just, it all kind of relies on various characterizations and co- and collective memory, but that's mega Megatron and starscream are simple enough characters that they are really kind of hard to screw up. So those two, Th- those two in particular come across very strongly.
0: What do you guys think about the use of uh, clones uh, in this? I mean, there's a limitation about, of course, how many models you can have. And in this, we actually had Sound Blaster, not New Soundwave, We had Sound Blaster, who is a separate <laughs> and uh, distinct character from Soundwave. And that was actually played up as a part of the uh, as the joke. Uh, don't refer to him as. You know, as a sound wave clone.
4: Yeah, I think that was the one joke in the whole run of this thing, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I it's interesting. There's there's so many uh seekers in this, so many cog clones, and basically clones of pretty much every Autobot except for Optimus and I guess Alita. Sort of sort of, sort of surprising to see them uh implemented so sometimes so I'm not gonna say artfully, but clever in a clever way but sometimes yeah. it's done in in, in 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 delicate way uh just
4: okay so i get the fact that doing cgi you have a limited number of assets you can work with given a particular time frame at the same in the same thought though like you know you're going to need to fill crowd scenes so like you should budget some of that time to make generic body components so that you can mix and match some generics together to fill those scenes instead of having 30 reflectors in one group together for, instance,
2: especially, especially since you've got a couple, uh, you've got, you know, weaponizers in this uh, line where it's pretty easy to mix and match body parts if you really want to.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. Like you don't even have to put like a whole cog on someone, just like attach a cog leg as somebody's shoulder cannon. like, you can do little things like that. I would think to distinguish background individuals just so that it's not a bunch of the same silhouette yeah that 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 kind of got old pretty fast the the body type reuses
2: it did kind of explain the whole uh decepticon mirage figure thing because yeah it's pretty easy for him <laughs> to pass as uh, as a decepticon just uh with it with a different uh paint job since there's like seventeen thousand guys on the planet that all look like that
4: yeah yeah although the odd thing is like i, I was half looking out for it and like You know, through some of the bad lighting, it was kind of hard to tell. But I don't think there was any reflector body type that actually looked quite like Scrapface.
3: I don't think so, no. Yeah, I did not see a Scrapface in the whole in the whole thing. (laughs) Ironhide kind of showed up at the very end, and I actually saw another bot that was exactly like Ironhide, just a different color. Ratchet. I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: One more thing that fell off to me. There was no, there was no politics in G1. None.
4: No.
2: No.
0: Yeah. I mean, everything is supposed to be a caricature of how things really work. And when you get into, oh, well, we have to sign a treaty, you know, we have to come to an agreement, you know, that's, no kid wants to see that. And no adult really wants to see that. I just don't know. I don't know who it's for. Any other parting thoughts?
4: I don't don't think they knew who it was for either, is is
0: the thing. Yeah.
4: I mean, it it really exactly is Transformers Resolute.
0: Yeah. Resolute was more action-packed.
4: But it similarly missed the point.
0: Yeah. I think when there is action in this, though, it's it's often pretty good. And in a couple instances, actually, I thought it was excellent. The
4: shot blocking for the combat scenes actually was pretty decent.
0: Yeah. Way better than some like comparing it to like early Transformers, CG, like um, Beast Machines. And, uh, John, uh, well, I was thinking like even Beast Machines when you know the combat, it was all combat all the time, and there was more running, it yeah, was also running, yeah. And yeah. you know, there's fatigue from that. and I feel that the balance and the amount of action was pretty good. And uh, unlike uh, uh, John, I actually thought the pacing in this was, I, I thought the overall pacing of the series. From episode to episode was good. I felt that the pacing within each episode was what needed work. Um,
1: yeah, I, I just that. feel like when you, when I like write down like what happened, like over the course of five or six episodes, four, five, six episodes, like when you write down what happened, not a lot happened. Or like you know, if you were really like um, wanting to tighten this up, like at a script level, like it would be an awesome three episode arc constructed as
4: a 90 minute direct to video movie. Basically you can still split it up into three or four chunks for Netflix consumption purposes. But like if you're going to tell a serialized story, actually put it together as one story. You don't have the artificial stopping points three or four times in it.
0: I think where the series ended up really to, to what John's point about the pacing goes, it does make sense to me that we could have arrived there at, you know, the second episode. And in the third episode, you change the status quo, and then you're on to something new. And those last four episodes are, you know, something new, something fresh that, you know, really get you pumped and excited for what's going to happen in the next season. But as it is, And again, no spoilers with where we sort of left in the uh, final episode, uh, which we cannot go into. We are—it's dictated that we can't spoil anything in the the last episode. But it feels like um, where we're sort of left off. It's—I personally am not left in any way excited about what's going to happen next. I feel that we could have jumped to some other kind of storytelling or idea or 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 style of story. in episode three and, and gone in a different direction. I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I
2: think one of the things that that I'm finding as I try and think back on this, having watched it all of like two days ago is that it just kind of move. It just kind of goes from one plot device to another rapid fire. And sometimes they are no, there is no purpose to the current plot device except to Get rid of the previous one. They kind of try to tie all the overarching plots together, all the A plot and the B plot, and everything tries to affect them together, except in some cases, it doesn't quite make sense why it should. And it doesn't quite make sense what is the point.
4: The statement of what is the point of this actually is kind of profound because there is no purpose to anything that happens except to get to the predetermined endpoint of the series. And nothing that happens incidentally along the way actually matters at all. Like there is no component of this. That's about what happens to the characters in any one given episode. It's all in service of just getting to where they already decided this was going to go from the start. And while having a really clear idea of the start, middle and end of your story is generally a very positive thing in writing. You still need to find ways in between those bullet points to actually have interesting things happen for no other reason
1: than to be interesting. Everything you guys said is 100% correct. I think that is also kind of like the curse and almost inevitable results of trying to tell a G1 story. So, oh, yeah. you know, like like you you have kind of like doomed yourself to a, a probably a pointless story. Or kind of like an aimless story. Because you're saying it in um, vaguely... Uh, g1 with all the g1 uh characters that we know like the top eight or whatever characters and you're just gonna tr- try to tell like a story with them and um it just doesn't work like thirty five years later like it's gonna come across as um as directionless or pointless or it's gonna come across as derivative of something else we've already seen and it's kind of like you know if if marvel studios announced hey in like three years we're gonna reboot and just retell the story that you guys saw. We're going to start over. We're going to do Iron Man again with a young guy, and we're going to do it all again. Who's on board? Um, nobody is on board. Like, that would be terrible. But we hit the reset button with Transformers like every two or three years, seemingly. And, and this is the same thing. Like, like, you know, if you're going to tell like G1 stories, you're probably going to have to have like the faith mm-hmm. to do side stories like Gundam-style side side stories. So, you know, you yes, could say this, this was happening on a planet that you've never heard about, but, you know, if they look, like, like on, on, on the perfect night, if they look up, they can see Unicron's head, like, as, like, a star or something. Like, it's in the universe, mm-hmm. but these are completely different characters, completely different circumstances. It's in canon, but, you know what, it, or it's in that continuity, but that continuity almost doesn't matter because they're literally on their own planet in their own universe. Like, if you do that, Okay, like that's fresh. And that's also giving the, the fans credit for like understanding that, cool, you're putting it in this 35 year old universe. We dig it. And, you know, you're, you're putting faith into the, the audience that, hey, if this is a good story with good new characters, they're going to give it a shot.
4: You know and... what you just described, John? What? Beast Wars. You just described yes.
1: Beast Wars. That's exactly why Beast Wars, <laughs> works, which we're, we're going to do again. So um <laughs> you know that but but you have to like yeah, so yeah, sadly we're gonna try it, we're gonna do it, but it's also a Beast Wars revival, so it's kinda monkey's paw. <laughs> but um huh, but I get that's that what reference. you gotta do. Like, like like that's that's what you have to do. But but we're not we're not doing it, folks. We're we're just we're we're doing Spider Man's origin story again. And so, you know, this is I, what you get. I
2: I think Really, this and just about every attempt to do this, you know, before they landed on Earth thing, which has been done a dozen times now. I'll, I think it just about all shows that the writers at Marvel Comics who came up with the origin of the Transformers 30 some years ago had it right. They knew exactly how much of the war of that war you needed to see, which mm-hmm. is enough to set up who Optimus Prime and Megatron were enough to show that it was absolutely horrible for the planet, that there was no choice but to leave the planet, which the Autobots decided to do. And cause I mean, I'm, you know, it's, it's kind of the, it's kind of the same idea as, you know, uh, imagining, you know, imagining to yourself at how, uh, when you were young, what, what Anakin Skywalker must've gone through to become Darth Vader is really cool. But in, when you go and see it, in fact, Not as much. Yeah. It's, it's, it was not necessary. It was backstory because it needed to be backstory, you know? Oh yeah. I bet a lot of uh, cool things happened in the, you know, zillions of years of war on Cybertron. No, it was war. They were miserable. It was awful. That's why they
4: left. So the thing here is like, we're saying you can't do G one again. The problem is you can, and they proved that over the last two years, it's called cyberverse. Mm -hmm. cyberverse had almost exactly the spirit and feel of g1 um for season two and three they definitely had a fixed start and end point that they were working with but they also left themselves space to do things in between those points like there was one episode that was um bumblebee hot rod and Cheetor just surfing through an asteroid belt that's like that that was yeah that was the plot of an episode uh basically um and for the first season, they still even kind of did the thing Siege was trying to do because they used flashbacks to frame setting up the universe in the war, the Great War timeframe a little bit before that. And, you know, around the time they were leaving the planet, like they tucked on a lot of the stuff that Siege here is trying to do, but they did it in a way that was so much more enjoyable to me, which is why I said before. 15-year-old me would have probably really been into the Siege uh, miniseries. Uh, 36-year-old me really just wants more of what Cyberverse has been doing for the last two years.